0: You're listening to audio from Gospel Light Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more of our resources or support our ministry, please visit gospellight.sg. Well, this week, let's come to the book of 1 Corinthians. And we are, I think, on our eighth sermon in this series. And we're at chapter 3, verses 5 to 9. Now, last week, I hope you remember that Paul was describing the Corinthians, at least a good number of them, as spiritual babies they they are like babies who are immature childish because they are fighting with one another they are having strife and envy they are boasting that i belong to paul another group says i belong to apollos and another group says i belong to cephas they were trying to prove a sense of superiority over another and so the church was facing the threat of divisions and strife. Paul, in the passage that is before us today, would say, actually, this comparison, this competition, one with another, is not wise. It's actually very foolish. It's very unnecessary. And he's going to show that by means of an illustration. He's going to show an agricultural example of farming, And he's going to say that really, there's no reason for you to boast in Paul or Apollos or in Cephas, in any of these human leaders because the point of this story is that only God gives the growth. So if you want to boast, boast only in God. That's the main point he's going to strike at. So let's look at these verses. You have read it, but let me read this again to you. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Paul. Well, they are simply servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labour. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, and that is where we end the reading. Now, a few things I think would be helpful for you to remember as Paul gives this illustration. Number one, he talks about himself, he talks about Apollos, and he says we are like servants. So this is the parallel there. The pastors, the teachers, the leaders of the church, like himself and Apollos, they are likened to be servants and specifically servants in a field, servants who will plant, servants who will water. And they are servants, not owners, because they will be the ones who will receive wages according to his labour from the owner. They are fellow workers in the field. Then we see a second reference, and that is the church. The church is God's field. Just as farmers work on the fields, the pastors will work amongst God's people, works amongst the church. So that's the second thing you might want to know. The third thing you may want to know is that these farmers and the owner is looking forward to growth. That is the fruit or the crops from the land. Now, I think the best way to understand what this crops or fruit or growth would represent is that of faith. Now, this takes some reading because you've got to be following us in our series to be able to Uh, arrive at that quite easily, because earlier on in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, just a chapter earlier, Paul says, my ministry amongst you, my goal is so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So the goal of Christian ministry is really faith in God's people. The goal and what we look forward to in pastoral ministry, is that you may come to faith in Jesus Christ and that you may grow in your faith. So Paul says, the illustration here is that the workers, the servants, the owner, they are all looking forward to faith, like how they are looking forward to crops grown in a field. And then the final parallel you may want to see is that God alone is the one. Who gives growth. And if you don't understand this, he says it twice and he puts an intensifier there only God who gives the growth. During this COVID season, many people are stuck at home and some find new hobbies to entertain themselves with. And I realized that a lot of people have begun to buy plants and and, uh, they want to develop that green finger in them, as it were. My wife has some plants at home. I'm terrible with plants, I don't bother with them. I think they're so boring, they don't change. They don't, well, at least they change too slowly for my liking. Um, but she has some plants at home, and I see the amount of effort she has to put in to her plants. When there's a the sun, she'll bring them up under the sun. And when it rains, she has to bring them in. And she'll have to apply fertilizer and insecticide and everything. But I think my wife will be the first to say, While she she looks forward to seeing growth, she will never be able to guarantee growth. She'll never be able to create growth because I see that sometimes she's bewildered. She's puzzled. How come I've done so much for these plants, but they are not growing, but they look like they're dying? Something might have gone wrong, you say, but it's a humbling realisation that whilst we can create the conditions for growth, Ultimately, we do not dictate, guarantee, nor create growth. Growth is only from God. So, just a kind of bringing bringing it all together, Paul is saying here that the leaders like himself, Apollos, Cephas, they are like servants in a field. Some will plant and some will water. Then he says that the church is like the field they work upon. So just as farmers work on the field, pastors, leaders would serve amongst God's people. Then he says crops here are likened to that of faith coming up from the lives of God's people. And he concludes by saying that the giver of growth is God alone. So what do we learn? Well, a few observable facts, I think. Number one, we see that there is a diversity in ministry in the church. That is to say, there are some who serve like Paul. He started the church. He's the one whom God used to begin the ministry in the city of Corinth. And then it is followed up by Apollos. So there is a diversity here. Different people, maybe a little bit different role, and serving at different times. But the point is this, it is about a teamwork, and there is no one, in a sense, who is indispensable. Paul left, but there is Apollos, And so I think there is a humbling effect that we need to observe from this simple point. There is a diversity. Um, I-, I think it's a bit similar, maybe, to he- what we see here in Gospel Light. God used Pastor Paul to begin this church, and by his grace, I take over the ministry, but we look forward to another successor in time who will take over the ministry here because this is not my church, nor Pastor Paul's church. It, It is God's church. So some plant, some water, but ultimately it is God who gives the increase. And maybe that's true for your life, isn't it? Your own spiritual life. Your own spiritual life is the result, the blossoming of your faith is the result of many different leaders in your life. It might be your Sunday school teacher, it might be your parent, it might be your youth leader, your young adult leader, it might be your pastor from a previous church or from a previous, previous church. I know many of you have been kind of had a journey in different churches, but God has used different people who have done different things for you in different times to see the crops arise in you. Well, it is well said, it takes a village to raise a child and God has used different people to be a blessing to you. There is a diversity that we read in these verses. So we give thanks to God for the different people who have laboured in our lives. Well, secondly, there is a unity. Though there is a diversity of people, there's a Paul, there's a Paulus, but there is a unity here because Paul says, He who plants and he who waters are one. (laughs) We are in the same team. And then he goes on to say, we are God's fellow workers. I hope that as we serve God, we do not see fellow servants as competitors. I, I know that's a tendency because that's a tendency in the church at Corinth. Paul and Apollos, they don't see themselves as competitors. They are collaborators. But the church saw them and took advantage of that and made it as a kind of competition. I hope we will never see that in our church. I hope that a particular care group won't say, our care group is better than your care group or my ministry is better than your ministry. We are all one. Serving God together, we are God's fellow workers. The third thing, I think, which is obvious as well is that there must be humility in ministry. Um, growth is not what we can engineer. It's not what we can create. God is the one who gave the growth and as I've said, Paul repeats it again, only with the intensifier, only God gives the growth. So it's not your pastor who is so great. It is not Anyone who is so great, it's God who is so great. So if you want to boast, boast in God alone. There is a fascination, I think, with big-name pastors. There's a fascination with pastors who come from big churches, who lead big churches. But the point here is the church is big, not because the pastor is big, but because God has assigned to that pastor in his mercy a greater flock to be responsible for. I think that's again what is found in the text. Who are we, Paul and Apollos? Simply servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. So let there be no pride, no ego in the way we serve. Now, I think the quarrel, the strife, the envy that is happening in the church at Corinth is in no small part because they may be comparing the size of the ministry of Paul and Apollos. Oh, I belong to Paul. Look at his ministry. So many people, so many of us believed because of him. And then another group says, but we belong to Apollos. He also has a sizable group. Now, that must be one of the points that they were fighting one with another because Paul here is saying, who is Paul? Who is Apollos? We are just farmers, we are planters, we are waterers, but it is God alone who gives the increase. It is very carnal, it is very unwise, it is very foolish for you to compare numbers because God is the one who gives the increase. So, only God gives the increase or only God gives the growth and I want to end off with just a few observational points. The implications here are that, number one, we ought to consider our role in ministry. What is the role of a Christian in serving God? Well, I use the word serving and I think the word here we must always remember is the word servants. Now, there are no superstars in God's kingdom except God himself because we are all servants. Paul is probably the most impressive, if I may say. He's the most used, most uh, amazing servant apart from the Lord Jesus Christ we read of in Scripture. But Paul himself says, I'm not a superstar. I'm just a servant. And I think that is the proper regard we must give to people serving. I, I want to say this. I don't think it is healthy for the church to place too high a regard on their leaders. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, please despise your pastor. I'm not telling you or teaching you, please insult your pastor. Uh, I don't think we should despise the office of a pastor, but we should never idolise a leader. I think that is very clear. Paul is saying, we are just servants. Don't idolise us. That's That's the point. The Bible does teach the church to remember their leaders, to support their leaders, to honour their leaders. I think there is a balance we must strike. We should never idolise them, but we should never despise them. We should properly regard them. And I think the word servants is a most appropriate one. I thank God in Gospel-like, we do not have this problem of um, having our leaders elevated to a very high position as if they there's a super class of people. I'm glad that in our church we don't have dedicated, reserved car park lots for the pastors. I'm glad that I can be with you and not feel like I'm a weird creature amongst you. We are all fellow servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. I therefore find it very uncomfortable that in our modern church culture, there seems to be—I I think it's true—but I. And it's sad, but I think there seems to be a culture where leaders of the church, pastors of the church, have to brag about himself or his ministry. Have you heard that before? I've been to conferences. Conferences are where different church pastors will gather together. and, And one of the things that I find tragic is when the pastor seems to talk a lot about his academic achievements, the size of his church the number of books he has written and how influential his ministry is. I wonder why there is a pressure to do so. I, there was a season in my life, I almost believed that that is the right way to do so because he has a large ministry. He has an influential ministry and it seems like the way to get an influential ministry is to boast. That's saying it as bluntly as I can. Now I I think that that bragging is done subtly, not so obvious. But (laughs) if you listen close enough, he is bragging. And when I think about it after a while, and when I observe other pastors who do not seem to need to brag, I realize that's a carnal mentality that must be avoided. Paul says, "Who are we? We're just servants." I pray that our ministry here at Gospel Light, your ministry in your care group, in your children's church, in your Bible study, will always be undergirded with this mindset. We are just servants. Let's not brag about ourselves. If anybody is to brag, let's brag about God because He's the one alone who gives the increase. You know, recently I have to write something about kind of a resume, kind of a, not resume, but a kind of introduction. I I can't find a lot of things to write about myself, but mine is really short. And I, I feel so uncomfortable having to talk about what this has happened or what I've done. I feel uncomfortable about such things. But sometimes it has to be written, but I hope the intentions, the motivations of our heart is, if anyone is to get glory, let it be God alone. We are mere servants. Okay, I think I've laboured in this point long enough. I do not want to nag. The second thing I'd like us to observe is our responsibilities. Now, if God is the one who gives the increase or gives the growth, it doesn't mean we have nothing to do. (laughs) Just as a farmer would acknowledge that it must be God who gives the growth, he does not sit around and do nothing. So what are our responsibilities? Paul says, I planted... Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So we need to be about planting and watering. Now, I think Paul is saying, just as farmers sow and water, pastors and preachers, leaders, they need to be evangelising and teaching and preaching and praying. I, I think that's the parallel there. Now, I know this text is specifically for the leaders, but I think the principle is applicable also for all who are followers of Jesus Christ. So what is our responsibility? To teach, to preach, to pray, to disciple. I think that's clear. The Great Commission is given in Matthew 28. Jesus told the church, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You don't have to ask God, (laughs) God, what do you want me to do in my life? You you don't have to wait for a voice. You don't have to wait for a vision because the Bible, Jesus, says it very clearly. He says to the leaders and by inference to the followers of the leaders because he says, do so unto the end of the age. The apostles have all died. But the church is to carry on this great commission of making disciples of all people. So that is our task. That is our responsibility. And at the same time, Jesus earlier also said, I will build my church. Now, I know many gospel writers, you are familiar with this paradigm, but I'll repeat this again. We, the church, are responsible for making disciples. And Jesus himself promises he will build a church. So let's be very clear about our roles and responsibilities. The church, you and I, we are to be making disciples. The building of the church, the growth of the church, and when we say church, it's not about the building, it's about people. Whose responsibility is that? Jesus. You see that? But the problem with many of us is that we think the opposite. We think that Jesus is the one who makes disciples and we are to build the church. So what do church leaders do? They have church growth tactics. They dim the lights. They play nice music. They kind of do a lot of things just to get people in and they hope that when people get in, somehow Jesus will make disciples amongst the people who come in. But we've got the wrong way around. The right way is that we go about making disciples teaching preaching praying and then whether god grows the church it's up to him but my task is to water and to plant you get that so it's the same parallel here paul is saying it's consistent i water apollos water or i plant apollos water but if there's any growth it's god who gives the growth we we do not need to artificially engineer that growth. Now, Gospelite's mission statement is very simple: leading generations into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's our mission statement. For those who may not know, you are new with us, I understand that. But this is our mission statement. I say it's simple, but I, can I tell you I could make it even simpler? This is nine words but I can make it even simpler by saying the mission statement of Gospel Life is to change lives. Wow, that's super simple, man. How, how come you don't change it to be simpler? Why must you make it so complicated? There's only one reason in my mind why it has to remain nine words and not two words to change lives. The reason is this. You and I can't change lives lives. That's the problem. I wish our mission statement is easier, change lives. But I know deep in my heart and according to scripture, you and I, we can't change lives. But we can be leading generations into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. How do you get that? Well, the best story I can think about is the story of the paralysed man and his four friends. This paralysed man has been paralysed for a long time. He could not move and I'm sure he must have sought advice and help from doctors and priests and religious leaders, but no one could cure him of his paralysis. But he has four great friends. Four great friends who never forsook him, who remembered him and who wanted him to get well. These four friends heard about Jesus. Jesus is in town. They heard about how Jesus could change lives, how Jesus could heal. And so these four friends took up the stretcher and brought this man to Jesus. Now, the story you can read in Matthew 9, Mark 2, they were very creative because it was so packed, they went up to the roof, dug a hole, and lowered this man right in front of Jesus so that Jesus could heal this man. I ask you, where is the church in this story? Very simple. The church is found in the four friends. And what is the job of the four friends? Bring this man to Jesus. Why? Because we can't heal this man, but we know Jesus can. You know, the church has to understand we can't change people's lives but we can bring them to Jesus who can. That's why our mission is leading generations into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. We are all stretcher bearers. When I was in the army, we practiced carrying the stretcher with someone on it. It's hard work. It's not easy. There are times you feel like giving up, but you've got to bring this man to the doctor who can heal him. That's our job. Teaching, discipling, praying, they're not easy things to do. Just like planting and watering the plants and the crops, it's not an easy thing to do. You've got to get out under the sun, rain or shine. But if you do it persistently, faithfully, perhaps in God's mercy, you will see increase. And my prayer for our church, for my own life too, is that we will be faithful in our responsibility, leading people, leading generations, leading the young, the old, regardless of race, to a life-changing relationship with Jesus, pointing them to Jesus. And you know, that's a great ministry to have. I've been a pastor for, well, let me get my bearings right, Uh, For 15 years now, and uh, I think for most part of these 15 years, I have never felt stressed. I've never felt like, wow, the burden of pastoral ministry is so heavy. I've never felt that. Why? Because I believe that whilst I need to labour, the results are not up to me. I don't feel stressed if the church grows or shrinks because I understand by the grace of God, He is the one who gives the increase. He's the one who assigns. And we do not have to be people who are stressed up or highly strung because of results. I I hope that will be the same for you. Maybe you are teaching your care group, you are leading your your care group, your Bible study, and you see numbers up and down and you know your emotions will go up and down together with the numbers. You know how it is. Well, it is inevitable somehow, but I think what really is helpful is to remember we are just servants and God is the one who gives the increase. All right? So, only God gives the growth. Um, Our role, not to be superstars, not to brag, but just to serve quietly, faithfully, not trying to put ourselves up front there. Our responsibility, very simple. We are to plant and we are to water. But let's trust God with the increase. It's not up to us. Finally, I think in this story, we see our reward. Um, Servants labour for a reward, right? That's what is pointed out here. Each will receive his wages according to his labour. Now, this is important because one of the temptations we face is that we want to get something out of ministry. And in this case, there may be people who want to serve so that they may look good before others. Paul is saying, don't you do that (laughs) because your wages will come from your master later on. Just focus on being faithful today. Now, there's nothing wrong with looking or serving with an eye towards reward. Some people think, no, 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 I should serve only because Jesus loves me. I think that is the main reason why we should serve. But God in his scripture has seen it fit to also motivate us with rewards. So whilst I serve because Jesus first gave his life for me, it is not wrong also to have an eye towards the reward that is to come. Uh, Recently, I found out that one of my classmates uh, had was featured in Channel News Asia Luxury. Channel News Asia is quite big. Uh. Channel News Asia Luxury, uh, even bigger. Because his house was featured in CNA Luxury. Wow, I, my, 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 my jaw dropped. You know. Wow, this friend, I mean, he's he's in my same, well, in medicine, we are divided into different clinical groups, like small groups, right? And he's in my same clinical group. I, I mean, we are f- good friends, and, and so on. And I thought, wow, he has this, I would say, a mansion, man. And I thought to myself, oh, maybe I could have been like that. Like... <laughs> I could have gotten his house instead. But very quickly, I, 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 well, these things happen whenever I, I hear about my friends. I think you have heard it many times before. But very quickly, it is also very important to be reminded or reminding myself, my reward is not about things in this lifetime. They will pass. I I guarantee you, fast forward, I do not know how long, uh, 10,000 years from now, I'm not sure when Jesus is coming back, but fast forward to the time when Jesus returns and beyond, there will be no Singapore. And there will be no mention that I was talking about. It will all be gone because the bible says there will be a new heaven and you are the old will melt away like a fervent heat all right so whatever you try to accumulate in this world let me tell you what's going to happen to them smithereens it will all melt away if that's what you live for well that's what you live for but i i I don't want to live for something that passes but the grace of god has allowed me to see the value of eternal things i hope you too and I think those who serve God, this is our great joy and anticipation. I'm not sure what the reward is. I'm not sure exactly what it is. But I know it will be very worth it. And Paul is saying if we are to serve God, don't hanker for that bit of fame and pride and ego trip we can have in this life. It's not worth it. Just plant, just water. And if there's growth, it's God. But for you, servants, you can look forward to the reward that is to come. I was reading in my devotional reading about Nehemiah. And one thing Nehemiah keeps repeating is, at least at the latter part of the book of Nehemiah, he will keep repeating, remember me, oh my God, for good. Why? Because Nehemiah writes down what he had to do and what he had to give up, and what he had to sacrifice. And it seems as if Nehemiah is reminding himself and us as readers that the reason why he could sacrifice is because he trusts and he looks forward to his God, remembering him for all the sacrifices that he makes. I think that is what Christian ministry is all about. The reason why we can take up the cross, deny ourselves and follow Jesus and to serve him is because like Jesus, we look forward to the joy that is set before us. I pray this will motivate you in ministry. I, I think it is so sad. I was saying in our care group yesterday, it is so sad that many people are so keen to step up in their career. Their boss tell them, are you willing to take this project or this assignment, they say, yeah, 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 I will do it. Why? Because they know that if they do that project well, they will get a reward. They will get a promotion. And I see many people give their lives to their career. Now I'm not saying, please be a slacker in your career. I'm not saying, please don't do well in your career. No, I'm not saying that. I say, whatever you do, do it with the best of your abilities. But it is a very sad contrast when it comes to the things of god would you want to serve god no la very busy I, I need my beauty sleep i need to watch my k-drama i need to go for my soccer game Ah no la. i'm too busy and there is a total disconnect with the way they dedicate themselves to the career and with the way we serve god i, I think it's a shame when there is a perpetual lack of workers now i know that the Bible says the harvest is plenteous, the laborers are few. I know that, but I hope it will not be you. I hope it will not describe you. I hope it will not be that, oh, it's not worth serving God. I can't think of anything better to do in this life than to serve God. Can you? Can you think logically, can you think of anything better for your life than to serve God? I can't. I really can't. And I pray that we would apply ourselves diligently to ministry, therefore. So, this is a simple illustration Paul gave. But I think the main point is, only God gives the growth. Please don't boast in Paul. Please don't boast in Apollos. There are no superstars. There is only God who gives the increase. Let's acknowledge that God uses different people. There is a diversity. But, We all serve God together in unity. We are all on the same team. And so let's have a healthy dose of humility. Let's understand that we are mere servants. Let's do our job well. Let's disciple well. Let's teach well. Let's pray well. Because one day, God will reward his people very handsomely. Now, let's serve God most of all because of Jesus Christ. Well, before I end, can you allow me today to be like a farmer? I, I want to plant some gospel seed today because there may be some here online, on site, who needs that seed of the gospel to be sown in your heart. The seed of the gospel is simply this. Jesus is the reason for the season. Today, we are nearing Christmas. And what's the big deal about Christmas? Well, for thousands of years, humanity have always, has waited for the arrival of a saviour. A saviour who can save men from their sins, and he's none other than Jesus. And I say to you today, Jesus not only was born into this world, he died on the cross and he rose again the third day, proving that he alone is the one who can save his people from their sins. I say to you, are you lost in life? Are you burdened with a sense of guilt about your sin? Do you want to know the true and living God? Then hear the words of Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I pray God will grant to you a heart that will repent, that is to say, turn from your sin and believe in Jesus Christ. Maybe that's my job today, to sow that seed. And someday someone will come along in your life and water that seed. And if you, do, if you are saved, I hope you will give all glory back to God. He's the one who gives the increase. Let's bow for a word of prayer together. Our God is the God of salvation. Salvation's plan can never be fathomed by man. It can never be invented by men. Only God, in his infinite wisdom, would determine that he would send his own son to die and sacrifice to save men from his sins. God not only gave us the plan of salvation, he implemented it. He did send his son to die and pay for, us, for our sins. And if you today would hear God's word, I say to you, it's also because God's spirit is working in your heart. So gospel if there be any blessing in your care group, in your ministry, or in gospel-like Christian church, let us not boast in men. Let us not go around and tell people how great our ministry is, how influential we are, how many people we have. Well, let's all boast alone in God. Even if we are to tell people, let's determine in our hearts to say, let all glory be to God alone. Perhaps today you are not yet a believer. I pray that you will hear these words, these simple but powerful words. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. The words of Jesus. I pray gospel Light will be a church where everyone is eager and, if I may say, dying to serve God because you know that there is no better way to live your life than to serve the King of Kings. Spurgeon said, if God has called you to be a missionary, That is to say, someone who carries the message of the gospel, do not stoop to become a king. (laughs) To Spurgeon, even a king is too low a status for the child of God. Would you pray about discipling someone, serving someone, evangelising to someone today? Let us all be willing to sow, to plant, to water. And one day, we will have the joy of seeing the increase and then hearing our master say, well done, you good and faithful servant. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. And we pray that you will bless your church, your people, that we will be humble, we will be faithful and we will be effective in leading generations into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Even this morning, we pray, you'll be leading some to your kingdom today. Thank you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.